Congress returns from its Memorial Day recess for a, a month or more of relatively hard work, or at least time in session. But what will they be working on? President Trump has been president for more than four months now, and he still has no singular legislative achievement to call his own, nor does he really have anything big viable in the pipeline. That's the topic of this week's Big Story podcast. I'm David Hawkins, senior editor at CQ Roll Call, and I'm joined in the studio by two of my reporting colleagues who think about this stuff every day, Lindsay McPherson, who covers the House leadership, and Niels Lesniewski, who covers the Senate leadership. I'm assuming that each of you agrees with me that the agenda is essentially stuck. What do you think, Lindsay? They're definitely stuck. Um, the House has finally moved on from health care, at least, but the Senate seems to be stuck on that at the moment. And now the House is currently stuck on tax reform as they try to take a lesson learned from the health care debate and try to get on the same page with the Senate and the White House before moving a bill. So, Niels, set the stage for us um, as as the senators come back from their uh, their Memorial Day recess. What is the state of play on the stuck health care debate? The question becomes whether or not uh, there's going to be enough uh, Republican senators who can coalesce around anything in particular. Uh, the question really is whether or not Mitch McConnell, the uh, majority leader's legislative genius, is such that he can find 50 votes uh, with the vice president, Mike Pence, to cast the tiebreaker uh, for any particular proposal that meets the threshold of the, the reconciliation rules and the Senate budgetary rules that are required in order to avoid a filibuster challenge by the Democrats. Uh, right now, Senators are at home over the break, holding town hall meetings, meeting with constituents, uh, and it doesn't seem apparent that there's actually that much progress uh, right now on on writing the bill that will actually get the votes. As I as I understand it, the basic dynamic right is that they've got 52 votes, Republican votes. Uh, that means no more than two can peel away, and there are enough uh, hardline uh, super confrontational conservatives on the right to say no to almost anything that the handful of moderates on the Republican left, for lack of a better place to put them, on the Republican center, would also would say yes to, that there's just there doesn't seem to be a path in the middle that would get 50 of them. And it's not even necessarily where they all are usually on the sort of ideological spectrum. Uh, there are some more conservative senators uh, who who are faced with the prospects of their themselves hailing from Medicaid expansion states. These are places that took the uh, Obama administration's deal uh, as part of the Affordable Care Act um, and the 2010 overhaul to expand Medicaid eligibility. Uh, and so some of those senators are in a really, really difficult spot, uh, regardless of whether or not they're moderate or they're, they're more from the conservative wing. So let's assume uh, for now that the, uh, the progress on the health care bill in the Senate will be uh, bulky and behind the scenes at best. Uh, so then President Trump says, uh, nothing to see there for a while. But meantime, he, he tweeted out in recent days, uh, everything on tax reform is just going great. Uh, what is he talking about, Lindsay? 
That is what we're all wondering. I think a lot of people were scratching their heads when they saw that. I mean, he actually said that tax reform was ahead of schedule. But Paul Ryan at the GOP retreat in January had said that the goal was to do tax reform by August. And they're definitely not on schedule to do that. He's in recent weeks started saying now the goal is to do tax reform in just calendar year 17. We don't want to set arbitrary deadlines on, on things. We want to get things right. We want to get them done the right way. We want to move quickly, but we want to get things right. There are statutory deadlines that we clearly will have to deal with. April 28th is a pretty important statutory deadline. September 30th is an important statutory deadline. Those are the things that clearly are going to help guide us. That signals to me that they probably either won't have a bill ready by August or certainly won't have a floor vote ready by August. Um, And by the way, is um, one thing that I'm genuinely confused about is uh, the president called it a tax cut bill, but I thought that Speaker Ryan had now said it's not a tax cut bill, it's a tax overhaul bill that will be essentially revenue neutral. Am I wrong? That's the correct assessment of what Speaker Ryan's view is, but it seems to be still an open debate as to whether Republicans can actually do what they've said they've wanted to do since 1986, since last tax code overhaul, is to do a real tax reform tax overhaul bill that actually not just reduces tax rates, but gets rid of a lot of what they call loopholes and, you know, basically extraneous deductions and tax credits for special interest. But there's a lot of disagreement on which ones to cut, which ones to keep. Um, They need certain revenue. If they're going to do a revenue neutral tax reform bill, they need a big revenue raiser. The plan that Paul Ryan's proposed, the border adjustment tax, is effectively, it's not officially declared dead yet because there's no alternative. But at this point, a lot of House and Senate Republicans are not in favor of that. And Democrats are not really players in this tax uh, overhaul at the moment? No, not at the moment. I mean, there's certainly like vague talk of we'd love to do tax reform in a bipartisan way, but there just doesn't seem to be any viable agreement on how to do that. Democrats do not want to cut the individual rates in the same way Republicans do, and individual rates are tied to small business rates. And you just kind of get this right. place where they can't find an agreement on even a basic framework. So back back to you, Niels. Uh, here's an, here is a topic on, on which... Um, Democrats are almost always brought into the discussion, something that happens in the Senate almost always historically uh, with strong bipartisan majorities, and that is uh, the confirmation of a new president's top tier of appointees. Uh, We know that he's got his cabinet in place, uh, but we uh, also know that right below that cabinet level, uh, very little is going on. So what's going on instead? What's been happening is that not only are there not uh, nominees confirmed, but in many cases there aren't even nominees or there have been names uh, sent forward who are then uh, pulled back for either family reasons or purported uh, financial issues, uh, questions with the vetting process. Uh, I think we've now had two Army Secretary nominees, uh, neither of which uh, is currently before the Armed Services Committee in the Senate. And so there is this question of just just how this vetting process is going. And I've heard sort of anecdotally that um, when it comes to uh, Senate offices, and I'm sure this is also true, Lindsay, of, of offices in the House, that they're getting frustrated because they're calling over on behalf of their constituents to federal departments and agencies. And there's 
literally no one to to call or send the letter to. Interesting. And it's also the case, uh, I believe, two other things. One is the president has sent some signals that there are some of these jobs that he's just not going to fill. This is a Steve Bannon thing. This is about destabilizing his sort of way of destabilizing things is maybe not all of these undersecretaries and assistant secretary jobs need to be filled. So, so some of this is on the president to actually send the nominations up, as you say. Uh, also the case that while the Democrats don't have filibuster power against these nominees anymore because of the nuclear option has taken away the ability of them uh, to block them, they can slow things down to a pretty miserable crawl, right? One, uh, one, uh, assistant secretary can take several days to get across the Senate floor and, and to his, his or her swearing in. That's absolutely right. And so whenever you have a nominee who has any sort of question about them, the, the Democrats are, are taking uh, advantage of their ability to slow walk things. And, and frankly, it looks like sometimes they're slow walking uh, nominees for the sake of, of slow walking them, even if they're going to be overwhelmingly confirmed. That uh, sort of came uh, particularly apparent with the recent confirmation of Terry Branstad, the former governor of Iowa, as the U.S. ambassador to China. It wasn't close, but nonetheless, people went through the motions of that taking several days. Uh, so when the Senate gets back into session... There's going to be more nominees to process, and and we've heard that they're going to be taking up Iran sanctions. At least that's what uh, Foreign Relations Chairman Bob Corker says uh, he's planning, but there's not a whole lot uh, else in the legislative pipeline. Well, I, I think I know what they can do. Okay, so so <laughs> we know that uh, health care stuck in the Senate. Niels explained that. We know the taxes stuck in the House. Lindsay explained that. We know that nominations are, if not totally stuck, then moving along at a snail's pace in the Senate. I've got a bright idea. Why don't uh, they? The, why doesn't the first unified Republican government in ten years uh, do the budget process on time? That sounds like a, it takes up a lot of time. There's a dozen different bills to do. Uh, there's lots of things they could debate. Wow, that's a really good idea. Why don't they do that? I have a problem with that happening in the in the Senate because, and this gets a little too in the weeds, but anyway, the problem in the Senate is that you can't proceed to the next fiscal year's budget resolution, which means you can't set the spending levels for those appropriations bills necessarily until you have finished health care because you need the current budget resolution in order to be able to expedite the health care overhaul bill on the, the Senate floor. So while, and I'll defer to Lindsay on this, it's possible that the House, uh, because the House is, um, frankly, the Speaker can do just about anything he wants to do in the House if he can get the Rules Committee to go along. In the Senate, they've got to wait uh, for health care to get done to really move ahead with the budget process. Yeah, the House um, Budget Committee is at work on their resolution, but they understanding the delay in the Senate are in no rush. And certainly they want to have some pre-negotiating going on with the Senate because to do tax reform through the fiscal 28 budget resolution, that means they're going to have to reconcile their budgets. So there's no reason for the House to jump out front early on this, given that at the end of the day, they're going to have to be in sync. It also provides them time to decide how to write those reconciliation instructions. 
And if the healthcare continues to move at a slog, they might decide to dispense with the fiscal 2017 vehicle and include that in the fiscal 2018 vehicle along with tax reform or without tax reform, or they could switch them. I mean, there's a lot of options that are available to them that I don't think they've just decided yet, given the lack of progress on either <laughs> the best course of action. And, and meantime, uh, as I, I was I was being silly a minute ago when I was saying, hey, that's a great idea. Uh, m- meanwhile, um, Fiscal 2018 begins in you know just a, just a few months. Uh, Congress is going to be gone for all of August. They come back in September. They think they're in t- in town for 12 days before the new fiscal year. There is a debt ceiling to be raised. Uh, no agreement on that either, right? There's no. We're not. Miss- no. I'm not missing anything. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> not at all on the debt ceiling. I don't even think there's an agreement on when they should address that at this point. Bottom line, uh, I'm hearing that you two are going to go back up to the hill. Uh, next week and watch a lot of grass grow under the feet of some very angry members on both sides. And we'll probably be seeing more tweets from at real Donald Trump. And you know, if they actually go away in August for their traditional August recess on on Capitol Hill, I can't imagine what the president is going to be doing while they're on vacation, quote unquote, and and not doing his uh, agenda. So, Lindsay, what could... Congress do to at least look busy or seem busy to get some some sense of accomplishment in June and July, which is their longest stretch of meeting uh, left this year. In theory, um, the House could move forward with its appropriations bills for fiscal 2018. Uh, without the fiscal 2018 budget, there is a certain date in May that they've already passed that allows them to move forward on appropriations without a budget. They had to do it last year because the Republicans in the House couldn't agree to pass a budget. But the problem is they haven't agreed on a top-line spending level, and that was kind of the problem last year with not passing a budget. This year, sequestration cuts are back in effect, and they have to decide whether they want to offset those in some way and keep raise the spending caps back up. And since they haven't agreed on a top line, they can't really move forward with those bills. But if they do agree on a top line, that is an option that's available. Yet there is some talk, given that there's only two months, and that they'll probably end up in the scenario anyway of just doing an omnibus with that includes all 12 appropriations bills up front um, that reflects Republican priorities and begins the negotiations on that larger spending package. Okay. What I'm sensing from the two of you, of course, is that there's a giant uh, legislative vacuum looming ahead. The old cliche is that power abhors a vacuum, and so other things will move in to take the place of actual legislation. I think we all around this table know what that will be. Uh, The president's own travails. Congress is continuing to look at uh, the uh, influence of the Russians in last year's election and the potential uh, that the Trump campaign was uh, a part of that. Uh, That's not going away. The president's other travails are not going away. Congress will love some hearings. They will love to make headlines however they can. And so I think we can assume uh, that Congress will make headlines even without passing legislation. Thank you, Niels Lesniewski, the Senate reporter for Roll Call, and Lindsay McPherson, the House Leadership Reporter for Roll Call. I'm David Hawkins, Senior Editor at CQ Roll Call. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or on NPR One.